genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are continuing our mini-series on the Muppet franchise with 1984's The Muppets Take Manhattan. And we have a guest joining us to talk about Broadway musicals, amnesia, and Muppet Baby fantasy sequences is Matt Bennett. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, have we, we've had you on the show before, right? Yeah, at least for a couple. I think the last one was Wolverine. Oh, okay. Well, that was a long time. Yeah. I think that might've been the only one then. Um, cause that was, that was only our third mini series. Um, (laughs) well, welcome back. Glad to have you. Glad to have a, uh, a a New York uh, native, um, on for the Muppets Take Manhattan episode. Um, but, uh, let's, uh, let's get your background with the, with the Muppets. What's, what's your relationship with these, uh, with the, with these guys? So (laughs) (laughs) at, at some point I have seen every movie, most of them when I was a kid, um, like Muppets Christmas Carol is maybe in my top 10 for movies I've seen the most number of times, Mm -hmm. um, the uh, original Muppets movie was one of the very few VHS tapes I had as a kid, so that got a lot of play as well. Um, this one, I have not seen in a very long time. I was trying to do the math today. It's probably been at least 20 years, maybe 25, since uh, I, I last saw this one before rewatching it for the show. And... Um, it was really interesting because like I'm not even just like in a separate part of my life. Like I am nine chapters away from the part of my life when I last watched this uh-huh. and uh, it, it unlocked a lot in me, especially the music. Uh-huh. Um, I realized that I remembered a lot of the lyrics to things for a yeah. movie that I hadn't seen in a really long time. Um, so it was really fun, but I, I've always been a, a big Muppets fan. I think that they are, um, I, I just love the wholesome humor. I love how they've been able to evolve with the times um this movie felt in in some very small ways very dated but in some really big ways not at all Mm -hmm. and um i think that's a very muppet thing that it just kind of they they all feel very timeless so it was fun it was fun going back on this yeah um nick how how much had you seen muppets take manhattan i had seen it quite a bit this was uh on hbo or cable or whatever a lot yeah for whatever yeah. reason when i, I was a kid. i think this was like on the most like this was like yeah. the muppet movie that got the most play on like tbs and tnt and hbo and all of that stuff mm-hmm. so whereas yeah. you know the muppet movie was one that i would rent from blockbuster pretty regularly this one would just be on tv and mm-hmm. so whenever i felt like watching kind of muppet content or muppet just shenanigans i'd be like oh cool muppet take manhattan you know it's on um mm-hmm. So I've seen bits and pieces of this a lot, and I, I know I've seen the whole thing at least a couple of times, but like Benny said, it's been a while. Um, 
Uh, it, it, it's, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the music because, uh, you know, last week I, I mentioned how kind of unmemorable the, the music in the Great Muppet Caper was. And I already can't for like a thousand dollars. I couldn't sing for you a half second of any of the songs from from that movie. <laughs> but uh, very quickly, like the opening notes of this movie, like da 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 together. And I was like, oh, my God, that's where this is from. i've had that in my brain for like decades just that melody you know and like you know look at me here i am right and i'm like oh from the verbo commercial like that's where this is from (laughs) (laughs) so some great music in this it's not i've always even since i was a kid i've had my 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 uh quarbles with this movie some some minor like you know as a kid i found parts of it a little dry and boring um, Scott, you know this. I'm not a fan of amnesia plot lines in movies. Yes. <laughs> and I think this is like why. Uh-huh. Is I associate like, oh no, that I, they have amnesia. That means it's gonna be boring for like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, watching this was a was a real trip, you know, because Great Muppet Caper I hadn't seen before. So this was a lot more nostalgic of a watch for me. And like like Benny said, like memories unlocking after after many, many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am uh I am completely uh simpatico with everything you just said, Nick. Um <laughs> I, yeah, the, I I I I've watched this a lot. Whereas um the Great Muppet Caper was one that I uh, I think we had like a tape of it, like recorded off of something. I don't think I, I don't, I don't think we technically quote unquote owned it, but sure. I think we had a, a tape that had it on it. And so I watched it a lot that way and not as much on TV, but this was the one that like I watched in fits and starts, you know, wherever I, you know, Oh, it's on. And so like, I would just yeah, put yeah. it on and watch a little bit until I had to leave or until the movie was over or whatever. Um, I have absolutely no memory of this movie starting with them graduating college. Um, <laughs> that was, <laughs> I, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> um, but, uh, but fun. Um, but yeah, uh, completely agree. I think that the amnesia uh, plot line, you know, um, all of that stuff, everything that is done with Kermit in this movie um, was done by Frank Oz um, as a gift to Jim Henson because Jim Hmm. has never been able to play Kermit in any other way other than just Kermit. And so he was like, yeah, we're going to put him in disguises and, you know, you're going to get mad at the Muppets, which you've never done in your entire life. Um, And and you're going to have amnesia and you're going to get to play all of these other things. So that's the reason that it's Hmm. in there. but I agree that it it as much as but you know I agree that it is the boring part. But man, there's something about a group of frogs just walking around going hmm hmm, hmm <laughs> that like oh. I, it's in my it's buried in my subconscious forever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. great. It played a lot better now as an adult than I remember yeah. it as a as a kid. But yeah, the frog we'll, we'll go into them. But yeah, least toxic work environment ever <laughs> yes. committed to film. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um yeah, okay. So, uh in terms of the production of of this uh this this uh for this film. Um so as we talked about last week, 
uh, the Great Muppet Caper was Jim Henson's directorial debut, and he made a deal to direct that um, as a as a like a dual deal to also make the Dark Crystal. So when they mm. when they greenlit uh, Muppets or uh, Great Muppet Caper, they also greenlit the Dark Crystal, and he made both of those back to back with like a month between production. Um, a complete insane turnaround. Uh, and by the time he finished Dark Crystal, which also um, had a lot of behind, like post things that were uh, complicated um, in terms of uh, people, you know, test screenings being like, what the hell is this movie? Why, <laughs> why are there long stretches where people are just talking gibberish and there's no subtitles or anything? <laughs> Um, this is, this is a nightmare. Uh, what have you done? Um, and, and Jim was like tired of getting the notes. And so he just bought dark crystal from the producers for $15 million. Um, just bought it. This was like, yeah, I got $15 million hanging around. I'll just buy it. I'll release it myself. And he did. And the movie was a huge hit. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, he laughed all the way to the bank there. But after all of that, Jim was exhausted and the studio wanted another Muppet movie. And they're like, Jim, we loved great Muppet caper. We want you to come back and direct the next one. And he was like, I got to be honest. The last fucking thing I want to do right now is direct another movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, I really just don't want to do that. Uh, but I brought in my best friend in the whole world, Frank Oz as the co-director of the dark crystal. He did a fantastic job. The only thing that was bad about him co-directing dark crystal is no one treated him like the boss because I was also <laughs> there. And so I want to give him the opportunity to direct himself. And so I want to give this to Frank Oz. And they were like, yeah, great. Okay, sure. We'll let Frank Oz direct this one. And he was like, great, Frank, you're directing the next one. And Frank Oz was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and, and was like, I, I, need, I need time. I need time with this. I need to think about this. This is a lot of pressure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Jim, I don't know. And then like kind of freaked out and like didn't talk to Jim for a few days. And then he finally called it back and he was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and it was all just like a very – Frank has a very different vibe from Jim. Um, Frank's vibe is, is – uh, uh, built from a place of neuroses um, and and stress um, and anxiety. And the gym is the absolute polar opposite of that. Um, and so their energies are very different. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jim was like, hey, man, like I'm going to be on set every day. I'm, I'm Kermit the Frog. Like, you know, it's not like I'm not going to be there to help um, or, or give advice if you need it. Like direct the movie. Um, and so and so Frank agreed to direct the movie. He was given the script. Um, by uh, the writers uh, Tom Patchett and Jay Tarsis, who wrote the final draft of The Great Muppet Caper. Um, and their, uh, their uh, screenplay was titled The Muppets, colon, The Legend Continues, um, <laughs> uh, which uh, Frank, uh, apparently he was given the script with the title page. He read the title page tore it off, crumbled it up and threw it away and then started reading the script um, because he was like, there's no way in hell this movie is being called that. Um, and uh, he read the script and he didn't love it. Uh, he thought it was too jokey. He thought it was there was too many bits. Um, he wanted 
I think after the the all of the work that they did on the Dark Crystal, which was like a legitimate film where the the puppets were characters and had character arcs and all these things, he wanted to do that with the Muppets. Um, and so he asked Jim if he could do a pass on the script. And uh, Jim agreed and let him just he's like, yeah, do whatever you want with it. And so he rewrote this um, and, uh, you know, turned it titled it The Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, but it was always about them trying to get a play on Broadway, but it wasn't as earnest and dramatic as it is now, um, which is very earnest and and very dramatic. And yes, there are funny bits in it, but this movie literally, I think, has like half the comedy of the last two. Um, it is, it is very much like a movie starring the Muppets, uh, in a similar fashion to like, um, Muppet Christmas Carol, which also is full of very earnest moments. Um, uh, a little heavier on the comedy in the, in the first act, but then once that movie gets going, I mean, as we'll talk about next week, it's very earnest and, and just like a straight down the middle adaptation of a Christmas Carol, um, and uh and yeah so this is is this is like similar to that uh the music um and and uh lyrics we talked about uh last week um one of the composers from Sesame Street uh did the did the uh, music and lyrics for the great muppet caper um and so when they came to this they just turned to the other Sesame Street composer and was like, you're up. Um, and so he wrote all of the music for this in the style of um, not movie musicals, but stage musicals. And uh, and so, yeah, he he wrote all of these songs and um, with the help of uh, uh, Frank Oz, uh, you know, the together they they put this thing together. And um, and yeah, Jim talked about how this was his favorite Muppet production ever. Because he was like, I got to just be like a movie star. I got to just like, I showed up late. I left early. Um, you know, like he was like, I didn't have to worry. No one was asking me any questions. <laughs> you know, he just, he was like, I got to take phone calls when I wanted to take. Because also during this time, he was developing what would become Labyrinth. Um so he was like doing a lot of like development stuff and was getting he was like leaving set to go to meetings and things like that. But that's the thing is like he could do that because he knew Frank had it. Um, and yeah, Frank was uh, an absolute bundle of stress. Uh, this whole movie, um, he was wanting to do things that people had never seen with Muppets before. Uh, and he settled on just a couple of things. He didn't go crazy. Um, one of those things was uh, Miss Piggy roller skating. Um, and the other thing was the Muppet Baby sequence, um, which was as they all, every, every, uh, up to this point, every Muppet performer all agreed was the most difficult thing that they had ever done as Muppet performers. And the reason was, and it's so stupid. <laughs> the reason is they were like, well, they're babies. So we should make the puppets smaller instead of, you know, making the set bigger. Uh, <laughs> and so they all just use these tiny Muppet baby Muppet puppets. And they were like, it was impossible. It was so hard to, to do anything. And it wasn't until we were like <laughs> two days into shooting this like six day sequence um, <laughs> that somebody was like, you know, if we would have just made these puppets the, like the same size as all the others, but like made the set a lot bigger, this would be a lot easier. And Frank Oz was like, 
God damn it. Like he was he was furious at himself for not thinking of that as the solution. Um but it was too late at that point. And so they just had to struggle their way through that Muppet Baby sequence. Um but and yeah, this is the introduction of the Muppet Babies, right? Yes, it is. It is. Uh this is the absolute introduction of the Muppet Babies. Um right after this movie uh so 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 this movie opened in the summer of 1984 in the fall of 1984 the muppet babies animated series premiered oh. um and on saturday morning in, as a saturday morning cartoon and uh what's interesting is like they her so so saturday morning cartoons had like like all the different production companies had all been reaching out um, to the Henson company about like, we want to do a Muppets Saturday morning cartoon. And Jim has never had any interest in that. Um, because a, he doesn't make cartoons. Uh, I'm he a puppet man stuff with, yeah, he's a puppet <laughs> man. Um, and he thought that like Saturday morning cartoons were trash. Uh, you know, cause at the time, the only educational things, the only, the only, uh, things for kids of value was on PBS. That's it. Everything else was just to sell, toys and cereal and stuff like that um and it wasn't until they had filmed this sequence uh that you know in like 1983 late 83 or something like that um that the marvel reached out marvel entertainment because marvel entertainment made a ton of saturday morning cartoons hardly any of them were based on marvel properties um, they were just like a cartoon company and they reached out to them and they were like, Hey, we want to make a Muppets Saturday morning cartoon. And for the first time, Jim was like, well, we might actually have something for you. <laughs> and they showed them the Muppet baby sequence from uh, Muppets take Manhattan. And Marvel was all in. They were like, yes, Holy absolutely. Shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. We'll do Muppet babies. This will be great. And, uh, but Jim was like, okay, great. I want to do so. I want to do Muppet Babies, but I want it to be like educational, but entertaining. But I want it to be educational about what I am interested as an artist, which is creativity. So, what I want this show to do is to feed into children's imagination and creativity, and I want it to like create a bunch of artists. That's what I want the purpose hmm. of the show to be. And I'm reading Jim's biography and I get to this section where he describes his pitch for the Muppet Babies. And I was like, holy fucking shit. He invented me. He created me. Like, <laughs> I am the way that I am because of this conversation where he pitched what Muppet Babies is. Um, that blew my mind. Uh, but, you know, like yeah. if a baby in the 80s were to watch this, you know, around <laughs> like the 2020s, he would be like working in the entertainment industry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fully invested. Yeah. And living, uh, a, living a very creative life. It really fucked me up. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so Muppet Babies airs. It's a huge hit. It runs for seven seasons. Um, and it all came from uh, that very difficult sequence uh, in, in this movie. That is, like, kind of random. Like, it just, it feels like Frank Oz, because it wasn't in the script originally. Frank just, like, conceived of it. That's why there's no dialogue in the scene it's just a song because right. he's like i have this crazy idea about a sequence where all the muppets are babies write a song for that uh and and we're just gonna do the sequence and we'll figure out how to make it fit and so like the bit where she's like ah what if we were babies that was just like well we got to yeah. get there somehow so <laughs> 
it was just interesting because it's kind of like a weirdly true artistic moment of like there's no rhyme or reason for this to be happening he just felt like it needed to be there for some reason yeah um it's almost like the muppet equivalent the closest muppet equivalent to something like pink elephants on parade or yeah have lumps and woozles where it's just like a concept totally um and so yeah uh this movie is released in in uh summer of 1984 um it is a moderate success but uh the popularity of the muppets were waning at this point um roger ebert gave it a uh a a begrudgingly good review um like his review was like look it's good but like stop just we don't don't do this anymore like it was was just like i'm tired i don't want i don't want any more of this the bit is over um i'm tired of these muppets yeah but 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 he still gave it like a relative like he's like it's good like i you know but also like i'm tired of this um don't do it anymore uh it was it's a really weird review ebert was a weird guy um but uh but yeah that was generally how kind of people felt about it um was that like it was solid but also like uh, maybe it's over now um the other interesting thing about this was uh when the news broke that miss piggy and kermit get married in this movie tabloids went absolutely ballistic and they were they were like interviewing like they were like stopping frank oz and jim henson on the street and being like is it true is it true are kermit and miss piggy getting like it was just like it was like a scene from the muppets where like real journalists and tabloids (laughs) actually give a shit about what these puppets are doing as if it's real um and uh and to this day it is a weird bit of controversy where people are like, did they really get married or was it just the play? And and neither Frank Oz or Jim Hansen are willing to answer that question. They're like, it's whatever you think it was. And that's it. <laughs> they won't they won't answer it any other way. You know, what's interesting is I was watching this and I kind of even though I wasn't alive, I mm-hmm. do remember being in the 90s enough of like residual pop culture afterglow that, oh my God, yeah, this was a thing. This was arguably yeah. the biggest legacy of the movie is it's the one where Piggy and Kermit get married yeah. um, by a Christian minister. Uh, thus making, <laughs> and then I yes. was like, <laughs> and so I was like, is this canon? Like, do they follow through? You know, cause like every Muppet movie kind of reboots itself. And technically, if I'm not mistaken, Scott, mm-hmm. the next Muppet movie we will be covering next week is the Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Where in that movie, Kermit plays Bob Cratchit, who mm-hmm. is married to Mrs. Cratchit. That's true. So it kind of carries over. It does a little bit. Um, I will say, uh, uh, no marriage license, uh, uh, no, no deal. Um, so sure. <laughs> regardless of what Miss Piggy's plans were there, uh, that that was not that was not a legit marriage. Uh, <laughs> <Fair> enough. <laughs> Christian minister or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so um yeah. gay people no pig and a frog sure right yeah well is, is the pig also, a girl yeah I, okay cool then i'll do it I, I believe this also started like a big like uh fictional character marriage thing um in culture because there was i remember um just before this there was um the general hospital marriage uh what are their names um they're like 
it was like a huge deal and it broke a bunch of like records. I was going to um, ask you when did, when did Superman and Lois Lane get married? Uh yeah, that's the other one. Luke and Laura. Okay. That was the big that was the big general hospital thing. So okay. that was a huge deal and then yeah, and then this, the Miss Piggy Kermit, there's the Superman and Lois, there's the Peter and uh, Mary Jane, Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like all of those were like these big pop culture moments where like it they talked about it on the news. Um, and it was weird. <laughs> and I, I grew up during this era where I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's a big deal that Superman and Lois are finally yeah. getting hitched. I don't know. Um, we, I mean, almost... it still happens a lot. Like when Pam and Jim got married, it was on the cover of magazines. That's true. Stuff. It's, That's it's true. just like this cornerstone that people like to revolve yeah. around. Uh, yeah. It was a know, big Megan, deal with friends too. I remember. Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ross and Rachel, Megan and Harry in real life, Prince Harry and Megan Markle. Yeah. Um, it's uh, we yeah. almost we actually behind the scenes we for a while we really wanted to do a geek by night wedding annual episode. Oh and yeah, that's <laughs> right. It it fell apart for for story plot reasons, but you know Scott's original was like, oh, I want to do kind of like a throwback to like yeah when like MJ and Peter got married or when like when Lois or Bruce Wayne and Catwoman would get married, there would always be like a big wedding annual like issue. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, this is uh interesting, but it would be the last time that the Muppets would be on the silver screen, uh, well, technically until 1990, um, but uh, but really 1992. Uh, so it would be eight years before a nationwide oh. release of the Muppets. Are you um, talking about Labyrinth? Is Labyrinth the technicality? No, no. Uh, uh, technically, it's it's um, uh, the Muppets uh, 3D uh, oh, at, at Disney go. World. Um, technically... A theatrical presentation of a Muppet. A large thing. screen. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, the truest sense screen. of a technicality. Um, yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot, but when did uh, Catch That Bird come out? Follow, follow that, that Bird. bird? Uh, follow that bird. I think Catch the following year. I believe it's 1985. Um, okay. Let me see. Follow That Bird. Yeah, 1985. That was a very formative movie for me. That was another movie I had on VHS. And I wasn't yeah. sure if you guys were going to do it because like Kermit's in it, but nobody else really is. Yeah. 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 We were we were going to do like the whole of Jim Henson, but it just was like, that's it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. Because then, you know, you also have uh, a, a very formative movie for me as a 90s kid, uh, Elmo and Grouchland, which right. did receive mm-hmm. a theatrical release, even though I I, I didn't see it until video. But uh, I think, yeah, we decided to stick just to the the OG Muppets. Yeah. The ensemble. The ensemble. Yeah. We might come back around to Sesame Street if that Anne Hathaway movie ever actually oh, yeah. happens. But, you know, because then That'd there'll be, be three Sesame Street movies. Um, mm-hmm. So we could take Anne Hathaway. Big. I can't believe that hasn't really she hasn't really happened. I can't think of any time where she's interacted with Muppets because she seems a, a very Muppet friendly actor you know in a kind of like liza minnelli joan rivers kind of way for sure she wants Hmm. to well i mean i think that's why she wants i think she's producing that sesame street movie if i'm not mistaken that's cool Um, nice yeah so um if it ever happens i hope it does sure uh so yeah um that is the muppets take manhattan it it started despite his uh misgivings about directing this movie it's it it started a very very lucrative career for Frank Oz as a film director um, after say, this, yeah. after this. And I entirely believe 
based on the Muppet Baby sequence specifically, um, I think that he was offered to direct the feature uh, version of Little Shop of Horrors as a result. Which is so good. Yeah. Oh, it's it's incredible. But it has that same style, that doo-wop style mm-hmm. of, of like stage musical uh, song. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then he would go on to do Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and, you know. Tons of stuff. Yeah, so Indian Uncovered, yeah. Bowfinger. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. Uh Stepford the Stepford Wives remake. Yeah. Uh you know what's interesting about uh the Muppet Baby is like, you know, the Muppet Baby's theme song and the number, which I do not remember being an absolute banger. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, oh wait, this slaps. Like what what is this? Um but it's very like, yeah, like Scott said, very fifties doo wop you know happy days and as a kid i never really understood why but then one day it hit me that you know muppet babies and this are in the 80s and nostalgia for the past you know the 30 year rule meant the 50s and suddenly a bunch of things clicked a bunch Mm -hmm. of billy joel stuff in the 80s clicked for me yep 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 (laughs) (laughs) oh that's what he was doing that whole time and yeah so it's it's just a weird I uh nostalgia of the past is so interesting because it's like a weird you know like, oh that's what they were nostalgic for back then was like their past was you know the big bopper and American graffiti and all that stuff you know mm-hmm. what I mean the concept of American graffiti not the movie American graffiti yeah <laughs> um for sure there's also so structurally speaking in terms of like this as we're about to go into the walkthrough of this sure I found myself fascinated by the aspect of this that like there is a reading of this movie which much like synecdoche new york (laughs) go on is that that the movie itself is the is like a movie adaptation of the stage musical musical like the 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 musical manhattan melodies Melodies. manhattan Mm -hmm. melodies um because it is about People like these young kids who go to New York and try to put on a show and eventually like it ends in a wedding. So like it's just so interesting that like, yeah, they don't ever call that out really. But it it, it does make me wonder because they're always playing characters, the Muppets, uh, mm-hmm. um, when they're in a movie. Uh, is that what this is? Is is the Muppets Take Manhattan the film adaptation of Manhattan Melodies, the musical, the stage musical. Uh, I just, right. I, don't know. I think that's interesting. Absolutely. I, I can't stop thinking about the Muppets take Synecdoche, New York now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, a really uh, that'll, old that'll be a aging fun... Kermit walking oh, out, wandering through New York with an earpiece. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start this question. We should have asked Adam this last week. Mm, um, yeah. And maybe I can, I can circle back and check in with him and see. Um, what he says, but, uh, uh, we should start asking everybody that there was that fun meme that went around for a while, which was like, what movie would you want to replace with Muppets? Um, I don't want to like replace anybody, but I will say this. I think it would be interesting to ask people like, what's a, what, what is a movie you would like to see remade with Muppets? Like a movie or a story or a story. Yeah. Um, so think about that, Benny, and I'll try and circle back on that. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> um, so New York would be fascinating with Kermit in the role of, <laughs> of Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> or you know, handing Charlie Kaufman the Muppets would be very interesting as well yeah 
The thing That's about true. Charlie Kaufman that isn't is never really talked about is mm-hmm. how number one how much script doctor work he does. Yeah. Um, and and two, like as much as like the movies with his name on it are weird. Um, that one movie with Daisy Ridley and and Tom Holland notwithstanding, because I think that was like a. Oops, my name ended up on this. Uh, my bad. <laughs> um, I rewrote it too much. Uh, uh, you know, the, the outside Craig of like, paradox. Yeah, outside of the the ones that are like hit, branded with his identity, yeah. um, he like he has like a very like mainstream sensibility. He did like a sitcom. Uh, he like created like a Fox sitcom in the in the nineties. Um, hmm. So I would actually be interested to see what he would do with the Muppets. I think that would be more like crowd pleasing than you would initially believe well it's interesting like he's i think they they share the same parrot the kind of quandary where i think like the muppets charlie kaufman is a weirdo that really in his heart wants to make stuff for the mainstream yeah and thinks mm-hmm. that he is and his mm-hmm. genius is that people are like what the fuck is this but he's not trying <laughs> to be weird or out there that's just where his heart takes him to is these are the stories that he wants to tell um the thing that i think about is like so much of his work especially his directorial work is about the horror and tragedy of the human body Mm -hmm. and aging (laughs) and his uncomfortable you know the, the 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 horrors of your body slowly shutting down and stopping working and working against you and time passing but the muppets don't age right Mm -hmm. Like they stay the same unless there's like they you have to make an old like, you know, there's that heartbreaking part that we'll talk about next week where they create an old Fozzie bear in Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) But so I don't know. I feel like he would have something to say with that or something that would probably I don't know. There's also that horrifying old Gonzo in. Yes. Muppets Haunted Mansion. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, God, I can't wait to watch that next month. Sorry, not <laughs> to date this. Uh, all right, so the Muppets yeah. graduate from college. <laughs> I really like the. Um, it took me a little bit to get it, but you know, we get the opening sequence. It's so it's so beautiful because it's like live action. Um, I almost said drone shots, but you know, helicopter shots of New York City. Mm. Um, where the only hint that you're going to watch a Muppet movie is Kermit quote humming to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so gentle, gently whimsical. Um, but what I didn't get until the end is that we are we start in Manhattan, and then we slowly recede further and further and further until we get to Danhurst College, which I assume is sort of like in the kind of like uh, white people area of like you know wherever <laughs> wherever Hannah Horvath went to college. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I will say looking over That's that audience was haunting. Um, <laughs> Why? Because it was just it was just a bunch of white faces staring at me. <laughs> there are some there were, there were some people of color in there that I noticed. Okay, that's good. Uh, I I felt like it was it was noticeably very very white though. Sure, sure, um, sure. Yeah, uh, I will say for because of this reason. So we begin with the Muppets. They're all seniors in college, and they're they're such putting a weird on thing to say. <laughs> And All of them are the same age, too? I yeah. guess so. I guess, yeah. <laughs> wow, it sure is cool being 23 years old. Isn't it, animals? <laughs> 23, 23. Uh, 
like, yeah, for sure. Anyway, God, this is this has been my brain, by the way, that guys, this is what this series has done to me. <laughs> uh, I was like having, I was over with some friends the other night, uh, just like at their house, just hanging out. And they were like, oh, yeah, we went to, oh, they, they were having a sale at Trader Joe's. And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, but oh, no. <laughs> the, re- the reason I really kind of related to the Muppets a lot during this movie is I really relate to the mindset of like being a senior theater kid in college, having your big friend group of like misfit weirdo theater kid performers that you've created this really strong bond. And now you're all about to graduate and you don't want to separate yet. You, you still want to stay together in your big weird little clump of, you know, tribe of, of weirdos that you've collected. And so they they move out to New York, all bright eyed and bushy tailed together. Because it's basically what I did when I was a senior in college. Is I had these group of friends. I didn't want to say goodbye to them yet. We were all going to Chicago to be like you know, uh, Steppenwolf, Michael Sh- Michael Shannon theater kids, and so I don't I don't know. Like I was really vibing with the beginning of of this for for that reason. I wasn't planning on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I also really like when. Stories about musicals or musicals play with what music is actually happening and what isn't. Um, like, the word for it is diegetic. Like, mm-hmm. that is sure. the music is happening in the story rather than somebody is just exploring their thoughts in song. Um, and that's that's very reminiscent of this time period, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Music Man was still really big at this time. That had been out for probably almost 30 years at this point, but mm-hmm. um, that was still in its in its run in the early 80s. And um i just think it's fun to to have to open the the movie about a musical with a song that's not part of the musical it's them actually performing it and mm-hmm. they sort of toy with that throughout um that just that just feels like it's put together by somebody who knows or appreciates broadway <laughs> yeah yeah and the vibe shift it's it's really cool scott that you mentioned frank oz's sort of um rewrite of this from the more sort of jokey mad magazine vibe that great Muppet caper had. Um, This reminded me a lot of like the Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney movies Hmm. where like those were all about two wholesome Midwest kids putting on a show. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I couldn't put my finger on it watching this movie, but like the Muppets were like 20% more wholesome than they were for the past couple movies. Yes. They were a bit less smart alecky and a bit more like, oh, gee whiz gang, like, you know, we're going to put on a show. And I didn't love it. I wasn't crazy uh-huh. about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I thought that was going to go. <laughs> I was like, you're right. Yeah, there's a lot about like friendship, you know, they're writing yeah. each other letters. But... And Nick's like, I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Get with the jokes. <laughs> Should have gone for the hard R rating. It's no. it's it's so interesting. I can't wait until we get to the James Bobbin era of Muppets mm-hmm. because I feel like that is by the time we get to there, the Muppets are an institution, and mm-hmm. it's as much about what the creative team thinks the Muppets should be like and how they think the Muppets should act. Whereas yeah. hmm. this is like still a genuine, you know, Frank Oz, Richard Hunt, Jim Henson crew. Um, Benny, what, what what did you think about sort of like 
the vibe shift of, I know you haven't been watching along with us, but uh, <laughs> like, how did, how did you, how did you like this more kind of wholesome earnest version of, of the Muppet crew? It is something I thought about just because to me, what really defines like the foundation of the Muppets is the old show. And mm-hmm. that was a little more, you know, it, it, interacting with stars of the day and, you know, having like all these skits, it, it was a little more um, like smart alecky. I, I don't want to say like sardonic because it was never really, you know, cynical or anything, but um, this, it, it, it was a little jarring throughout it because I feel like a lot of it was kind of trying to serve the plot, but because the ending is so gooey and sweet mm-hmm. i kind of forgave it mm-hmm. um you know it it's it's easy to do like well we're all friends and that's the ending but for muppets that has always really defined them for me is that it's, it has always been this group there's a leader and there's all these dynamics but they have always been a group yeah. and um, like i i do like that that came out in this um especially because they all kind of split apart and come together and that just you get a, a real sense of you know triumph and sweetness from that yeah i Uh, do i do think that it 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 i i think the new tone sort of dries up the pacing of the movie um where despite the fact that this is i think shorter than the last two that we watched it feels longer yeah um it feels longer because yeah it's it's drier and 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 it the pacing is a it's a much slower paced than the last two um, and I think that Especially comes in the from, middle. yeah, you, you yeah. Could, I think once you lose that comedy momentum, uh, of the last two, uh, it just, yeah, it just becomes an earnest movie about a bunch of kids trying to put on a show, um, which mm-hmm. is a very different thing. Um, yes. not a bad thing by, by any means, um, you know, but it's, uh, it's definitely different. <laughs> it's definitely so, like, different. They go to New York, they go to Manhattan and like, they're they're wandering around in a, in a big clump, and they're like, "Yeah, come on, gang! Like, you know, we got a children called Manhattan Melodies, and it's about two kids that moved to the big city and they want to get married." And they they're like going from like uh, from theater to theater. Uh, we meet Martin Price, played by Dabney Coleman, mm-hmm. and uh, he's you find out that oh, and uh, uh, Scott, did you spot the really fun cameo at the at the secretary's desk? One Gates McFadden. Oh, that is who that was. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beverly Beverly Crusher. Yeah. Hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I did a bit of behind the scenes research, and by that I mean looking at my phone while the movie was playing. And uh <laughs> Gates McFadden won this role. She didn't even have to uh, didn't even have to audition. She just like met with Jim Henson. And was like, I like your vibe. You got you got Muppet vibes, kid. She wasn't even going by Gates yet. She was going by her first name. Right. And then the uh the woman who comes in and accuses him of stealing all of her money, um, that was uh Frances Bergen, um, who was uh Edgar Edgar Bergen's uh widow. Oh. Wow, um, yeah. At this point, the the ventriloquist, the very famous mm-hmm. ventriloquist who was in the Muppet movie. Um so yeah. yeah. Um, where I yeah, asked you if they had a separate little casket for the for the dummy when he died. Right. Um. <laughs> fu- funny. Funny story about um about Dabney Coleman in this. Mm-hmm. So Dabney Coleman plays this. Uh. Yeah. This con artist sort of posing as a as a legitimate Broadway producer. Um. And uh, 
originally this character was going to be played um was going to be played by Dustin Hoffman. Um wow. and Dustin Hoffman was going to do his Robert Evans impre- impression. Um <laughs> uh Robert R- Robert Evans uh being like the sort of most famous producer uh, at Paramount produced The Godfather and um uh, you know, a ton of uh, Rosemary's Baby, like just like a ton of like kind of like some of the most famous like late 60s, early 70s. Um, the films. epitome of like the 70s kind of sleazy, larger than life Hollywood producer. Absolutely. Very, very <laughs> famously played by Ozymandias himself in uh, in uh, The Offer on uh, Paramount Plus um, and uh, in, in a role that should have won him uh, uh, three Oscars minimum. Um, and it's a TV show, but I don't care. It should have been an Oscar. Um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, he was originally going to do that, um, but he was friends with Robert Evans and he was afraid that it would um, piss off Robert Evans so much that he wouldn't be hired by anything that he produced ever again. And so he chickened out and bailed. Um, and as a result of Dustin Hoffman leaving, a ton of other famous people who had cameos in this movie also bailed because they're like, well, if Dustin Hoffman's not going to do it. I, that seems all, suddenly this seems really shady, and maybe I shouldn't do it either. So a bunch of people dropped out, and uh, and and were like uh, very quickly replaced by um, everyone who is in the movie. But uh, a, a Lawrence Olivier was going to be in the movie, and he oh, wow. dropped out. Um, Michael Jackson was going to be in the movie, and he <laughs> dropped out. Um, but uh, yeah, um, and then eventually Robert Evans passed away, and Dustin Hoffman got to do his Robert Evans impression in the 1997 film Whack the Dog. Whack the Dog, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, he Good. did so end up pulling out. that out <laughs> at, at some point, but it wasn't in uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan, unfortunately. Really? So he's 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 man enough to like slap Meryl Streep in real life, but not enough to do a, a, <laughs> a funny yeah. Robert Evans. Yeah, what a chicken shit. Yeah, well, you know, he what he that was the thing. It's like he was worried. He's like, my career's on the line. Robert Evans won't hire me ever again if I do this. Yeah, he's you know, he's yeah, yeah. he's chicken shit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I saw that yeah. video, Dustin. You didn't stick up for Lily Tomlin when David O. Russell was screaming at her. Yeah. There All you right. go. See, and if you're still alive when this comes out, I still mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Time of recording, Dustin. Wasn't. <laughs> I I I haven't double checked it, but I feel like I read that Rizzo the Rat is named after Dustin Hoffman's character from yep. Yeah Midnight Rizzo. Cowboy. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. R- no, R- yeah. Rizzo <laughs> is literally <laughs> Rizzo is literally just uh, uh um uh what, oh god I lost his name Steve Steve Whitmire doing an impression of Dustin Hoffman in Midnight <laughs> Cowboy. Yeah, it's like how uh, it's like how Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons is kind of a weird uh, James Cagney impression. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, but the, the Dabney Coleman sequence is, is interesting to me because there's that moment where he like he realizes that like you know the jig is up and he just grabs Camilla the chicken by the throat. Yeah, and Gonzo like, by the nose. Yeah, and I laughed out loud because it was the first like funny thing to happen in the movie. <laughs> yes. Everything else had been so like wholesome and gee whiz gang, we're gonna go, we're gonna put on a show. And I was like, the fuck is this? Like, what's happening? And so <laughs> when he like grabs Camilla by the throat and he's like, 
And he's like, get, get the fuck back. I'm going to kill. I'll kill the chicken. I'll kill whatever <laughs> yeah. this thing is. I was like, hey, yeah, this is what I want. This is Muppet. This is Muppet stuff. <laughs> I think I think Frank Oz has like a very odd, off kilter, very particular sense of humor. Um, yeah. Because. Yeah, the sense of humor in this goes from like wholesome to dark <laughs> at mm-hmm. like the drop of a hat, um, which which makes sense when you like you're like, oh yeah, this is the guy who's going to go on to direct Little Shop of Horrors, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So like, part of there are parts of me that sometimes thought this was less funny than the Great Muppet Caper, yeah. or not as funny. But the laughs when I would laugh would be like bigger for me. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like we'll 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 keep going as the walkthrough goes, but um, but yeah, we get we get Dabney Coleman. Uh, mm-hmm. I like this her- scene too as a reversal of the Orson Welles scene from the first movie, where they just oh, they show up and he they're like he's like hell yeah you guys are gonna be let's famous right let's in. do this yeah. thing just like immediately and so it's like it's like oh okay it's happening again like this is just people's reaction to the Muppets and it's like no this guy sucks he's a con artist he's just trying to steal all of their money. <laughs> 300 bucks, that's all it takes. Uh, each. Yeah. <laughs> oh, each, right, yes. Um, Benny, as someone who is somewhat adjacent to the, uh, you know, the New York theater scene, uh, did that did that uh, str- strike true to you? <laughs> I remember. So I, I, I watched this with Chelsea, and as soon as he said the $300 thing, Chelsea and I both just looked at each other and simultaneously just kind of like slowly shook our heads. <laughs> like, you, you cannot put on the worst one person show that you've ever seen for less than like two grand. Yeah. And we, uh, I mean, it, and it's just so hard to get anything made in New Uh York. I mean, unless you're willing to like, you know, perform under a leaky pipe for three lawn chairs, it is, it is just so, so difficult. And um, I had kind of the same thought too. I remembered that scene from the first puppets and um, you know, I, I didn't remember enough about this movie to, to have all the details of what happens. And it just struck me as really funny just because it's uh, (laughs) I mean, even, even when they really still do, get it made it's um it's it's <laughs> comically expedited and you know happens in enough time for kermit to get amnesia and everything but yeah. sure um yeah i just i i i think it's so funny and uh i i especially love the way that they they weave in what new york was like at the time he's like mm-hmm. oh you want to talk about shootings and robbings and stuff like that and um that that's just i it, it makes me realize that you know when i moved to new york from my hometown in indiana uh, a lot of people were very skeptical of that. And a lot of that had to do with crime. And I think that a lot of people think what New York is, is from Muppets Take Manhattan. Because <laughs> I, it's not the New York I live in. Yeah. But it's it's what it was in 1983. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the 70s and 80s, it was pretty bad. Um, very different place. Yeah. Very, um, very different place. Little uh, PSA, actually. I even looked this up. Um Property crime since 1983 is down per capita almost 75%, and violent crime over 60%. And um, it is it is very different. Yeah. So uh, I just I I just kept laughing the whole time that like this is this must be what people think New York is because of this movie. Yeah. Um, speaking of that though, of like this the specificity of of the New York in this movie and the way it's presented, the 
the modern sensibility of New York in this movie, right, that you're talking about with like, you know, there's a purse snatching later and he's talking mm-hmm. about all the crimes and shootings and things. Um, that's in there. But uh, Frank Oz wanted specifically to really lean into uh, a classical version of New York visually. Yes. Which is why, if you have, if you notice, not a single shot in this movie features the World Trade Center. And it's because at the time the World Trade Center was still was only a ten year old mm-hmm. institution and was considered garish and modern, and mm. so they went out of their way not to put it in this movie. Um, and as a result, there are conspiracy theories online that they removed the World Trade Center from the movie after nine eleven, and that is not true. Um, they just never put it on film. Uh, they like purposefully didn't aim the camera toward the World Trade Center whenever whenever possible. Um, There's like one shot from Midtown looking downtown and the Empire State is right in the middle, but it's like just covering up the towers. Like it's just like shot perfectly to hide them. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) But also goes, I think, has something to do. There's also, because, you know, there's that other theory later on that um, uh, something about Kermit's existence created 9-11. (laughs) Yes. Which, is, which is a whole Muppet thing. Nick, do you know about this? I do not, please. Okay, okay so there's there's a Christmas special with the with the with the Muppets um that is in that was shot in two thousand one. And mm-hmm. um it is a it's a wonderful life type thing, right? And so um what happened was everything so so it was shot like between like August and like October of 2001 and it just so happened that they shot the part of the movie where he's like oh i wish i was never born and blah 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 they shot that after and so the world trade center doesn't exist but when he wishes that i wish i was never born you say see the other version of like what if kermit never existed and the world trade center exists because it was (laughs) shot before 9-11 and so Somehow, the existence of Kermit the Frog directly <laughs> caused 9-11, which is yeah. the it's just the most bonkers uh, Muppets theory that you can't really argue against because all the evidence is there. <laughs> it's all right there. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, when when, the, yeah. when SEAL Team 6 raided bin Laden's compound. <laughs> yeah. <They're> like, <laughs> there was like... They were like, weird... this is for Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and now we have even more evidence because we have a movie with Kermit in New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, see the towers. Yeah, it's true. it is interesting though because like you do watch a lot of New York, other New York movies around this time period. You know, like your Working Girl or you know, like your mid eighties, early nineties. They would go out of their way to highlight the World Trade Center to sort of mm-hmm. like modernize it and place it of like it's now, it's hip, it's New York. Yeah. And it it plays to this kind of like dual culture in Manhattan, which is like Midtown where the Empire State Building is and like Hudson Yards and stuff. That is the theater district. That's the touristy part. And it's it's a lot less, you know, uh, it, it's not as much the hustle and bustle of New York. It's more the artsy side of New York right by mm-hmm. Central Park and so forth. And then downtown where the World Trade Center is and um, everything like that, like that is the financial district. That's where there's a lot of wealth, a lot of you know the the hustle of new york and then in between you kind of have like the the bohemians but um <laughs> it's it's just funny how it's how it sort of uh just plays into that yeah, yeah. and uh speaking of you know they go on we have the montage uh, you can't take mm-hmm. no for an answer dr teeth's 
big solo number where <laughs> uh, they strike out. They they visit producer after producer and they're like, no, get out of here. Um, I love it. I love this kind of like fairy tale Mel Brooksian version of of New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. And an one outsider. of the one of the people that they visit is uh, is is Ronnie Crawford's dad, who turns them down, like laughs them out of the office. Um, but Ronnie Crawford, he's got this. He's got the script in his hand. So like they set up the fact that he's going to come back later. Um, Continuity. And, want to produce their thing so kind of kind of going back to this feeling like an actual film as opposed to like a series of sketches yeah right. yeah that's true yeah last week i remembered this being a lot more sketchy and it's really like not at all um mm. which is interesting so is is that i think that song was where they showed their feet walking down the sidewalk mm-hmm. is that right so. yeah is that i can't imagine that happens very much at least for me that was very visually jarring just because obviously like 99 percent of the time we're used to seeing them from the waist up or like you know there's a cool shot of kermit on a bicycle or something like right, that but right it happens I, more I than you think the... <laughs> yeah yeah the way they do it is uh they they turn them into marionettes oh, and then they're over a, they're, they're in a crane over them um and that's how they get those shots um which is which is good. They also invented a um, for this movie in particular. They invented uh, ro- the robotic puppets, uh, which they would use in situations where we want, like, like for example, there's a scene where uh, Kermit is just like sitting on a stool at the diner, and and you're seeing his entire body, and it's just like and he's moving around or whatever, and you're like, well, there's. I don't know how you would do that, right? And so hmm. they put a robotic Kermit in there, and Jim Henson is off camera with a wireless uh, Waldo glove, and he is literally puppeting Kermit like he would if he was holding him with his hand um, in the glove, but it's moving the robot Kermit exactly the same way. Um, and so, Crazy. yeah, they invented that for this movie. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... They're they're feeling dejected. They're walking in a big clump. Uh, Janice and Gonzo kind of go at it, which is really interesting. <laughs> hey, don't talk to her like that. <laughs> kind of furthering our we have a running theory, yeah. Benny. Floyd and Janice are they an item or is this kind of like a polycule situation? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, I actually please. loved that argument where where he says I think he says uh, don't don't yell at her, and then somebody goes. He wasn't uh, yelling at her, and Gonzo goes, "Yes, I was." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and they're like, "Well, Kermit, what should we do?" And Kermit's like, "What, dude? Get off my back! All right, lay off. I don't have all the answers. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a frog. I'm 22. Why don't you just make your own friggin', make your own decisions for once in your goddamn lives?" And uh, you know, Scott, we, we talked a little bit about back in the Muppet movie about how you sort of see yourself as a Kermit the Frog figure in your own life, you know, yeah. kind of the leader of a, of, a, of, a, of a group of creative misfits trying to keep us all together. And so, like, did you did, could you relate to Kermit during this this moment of uh, of, 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 you know, frustration? I mean, yeah, uh, but but yeah. also much like uh, Jim Henson, because he talked about this. Um, and you know, cause he never, he never yelled ever. Um, and when mm. he would get upset, he would get quiet, Ooh. like silent. And that's how people were like, uh Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but in general, like he didn't yell. And so like, uh, Frank actually wrote this moment of Kermit blowing up because he was like, I think Jim needs to get some stuff out of his system. 
<laughs> just therapeutically. Um, yeah. And then had him do this. And he was like, yeah, like Kermit's never, I think that was like, you know, other than, you know, being excited about stuff. Like he rarely like yelled in frustration at the other Muppets. Um, and, and yeah, this was, this was a moment of like Frank being like, yeah, let, let it all out, buddy. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, so it was, it was, it was good. I got David Bowie calling me day and night about his the pants, and I don't, don't care about your pants, David Bowie. Just wait to do the fucking movie. <laughs> maybe you're not supposed to understand what the Skeksis are saying, all right? Maybe you don't want subtitles in your movie. <laughs> uh, so they go to a diner uh, where uh, Rizzo the Rat is working as a waiter. This was my introduction to Rizzo the Rat. Uh mm. Listeners, as we said last week, having not seen The Great Muppet Caper. And yeah, I had like, man, Michael Bloomberg would have taken a hose to this place. <laughs> Walking in, seeing a bunch of rats and, and penguins and frogs and stuff working yeah. working in a kitchen. Um, the, the original Ratatouille. Yeah, the original 30 Ratatouille. years before. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we get one of my favorite characters in the movie. Uh, I think his name is Phil, the guy, the guy who runs the diner. Or Pete. 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 Uh, God, I God, I wish I had written it down, but he's like, hey, like New York is city, but peoples, peoples is peoples, peoples have shoes, people have tomatoes. <laughs> he's got, he's people. got, he's got big Mister Ditkovich energy. Like I kept yeah. wanting him to like shout rent for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, see his woman. You are man, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also meet Jenny, uh, Pete's daughter, who is uh, we kind of. She is an introduction to a character that I think would become like a mainstay in Muppet movies, which is like the kind of vanilla milk pleasant human straight man to the Muppet characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, think after this, there was always a human, like a human protagonist in all of the Muppet movies after this. Yeah. You got Jim from Muppet Treasure Island. You have, you know, Gary and Mary and the Muppets. Um, mm-hmm. Walter is like a third human. I mean, I mean, like, not, you know what I mean? Like a, a quarter yeah. human. He was raised um, human. <laughs> he was raised human, culturally human. Yeah, culturally <laughs> human. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, uh, uh, you, you have um, uh, Scrooge. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, probably but, the most uh, notorious human. I like Jenny. You know, she's yeah. she's she's nice. She's pleasant. <laughs> she's pleasant. Yeah. Uh, also, my my second favorite line of the movie, where he says, mm-hmm. "I'm Kermit," and she's like, "Hi, Kermit. Nice to meet you." And he goes, "I'm a frog." That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. great. Uh, so while Kermit is talking to Jenny and kind of like you know talking about his dreams and stuff, the Muppets are in their little you know. Uh, uh, corner of the diner the booth and they're like you know maybe kermit's right maybe we do like rely on him too much uh what if we kind of like gave him some space and i was like i do not remember this happening 10 minutes into the movie yeah yeah real quick yeah and uh we get saying goodbye where uh a really sad song where they all kind of go their separate ways we get i think our only muppet on a bike sequence where scooter rides away Mm -hmm. on his bike Mm -hmm. um to Ohio, which is like truly the most scooter place he could possibly end up. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, yeah, of course he's in fucking Ohio. God damn. 
Scooter, uh, have more self-respect than that. <laughs> I, I like how they all end up. They don't. None of them go very far. Like Rolf ends up in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Gonzo ends up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fozzie's in Maine. Fozzie's right. in Maine. Uh, I know it's supposed to be a sad sequence, but like I, for some reason, I just I got a big kick out of like the wide shot of Miss Piggy on the train being like, "Bye, goodbye, <laughs> Kermy." Like, bye, Piggy. And just how they hold, you can still see the puppet like waving. It was just. Yeah. It's also funny when you take into consideration that like she gets off at the next stop and just comes back to New York. <laughs> yeah. Comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Because she was like, "Look, I'll give I'll give the frog space, but I'm not leaving New York for him. <laughs> this is my dream." <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll say it right now. I I think you know she's always a star, but I think Piggy really carries this movie for me, especially in the comedy department. Mm-hmm. The the scene with her and the cat collars is one oh, of the funniest for me. Amazing, yeah. The, well, my well, my favorite bit of that is the fact that you can see her stalking him in the deep background. Yeah, of the it's shot. Yeah. It's the best part. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, you know, we get saying goodbye, uh, Benny. I wanted to ask you about this moment. Uh, so Kermit, all alone, he's up at the Empire State Building, and he kind of has this dark night of the soul, and he's like, "No, you know what, like." I'm going to get him back. You hear that, New York? I'm not going anywhere. This frog is staying. And I was like, man, I bet every New Yorker has had this moment. There, this frog is staying moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, not specifically, because uh, weirdly enough, I'm going through my head. I don't know a lot of New Yorkers who have been to the Empire State Building. Oh. I have not. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I guess I've just always assumed. It's kind of like like the Statue of Liberty, which is one of those things like, if I go, I'm only going to be around people who are here to to see that. And I guess I've just kind of put it off. Yeah. I guess I've been more um, like emotionally, like that this yes. frog is staying. Yeah. Yes. And um, I... You know, because New York is just hard. <laughs> it's just tough. It's mm-hmm. expensive and it's big and it's very different than the place where I grew up. And um, I, I do think that there is that kind of arc that everybody has because everybody's got a reason to be here. Like you're either from here or you had a very good reason mm-hmm. to move here. And everybody's mm-hmm. got kind of their story of either where they grew up in the city or when they came to the city and why. Mm-hmm. And um, it always makes me think of Liz Lemon, how uh, she's like returning to new york and singing about how much she loves new york <laughs> somebody spits in her mouth yeah <laughs> <and> <laughs> she's just like yep that's new york and um but yes i i i do like that they play into the kind of um the the fantasy or the mysticism the the legend of making it big in mm-hmm. new york especially in terms of like creative or, or broadway or something like that um y- you got to have a good reason to be here because it is um it's hard <laughs> it's just hard yeah no i, I I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna keep coming back to you about this benny because i think stealthily this is sort of quietly a very like quintessential like new yorker movie um, i agree yeah yeah I read, I read a letterboxd review that said that this was uh, the muppets in their francis high era <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, weirdly yeah. enough, yeah, it it does kind of touch on that, and and that's that's part of what I what I like about the movie is is 
it doesn't it's not really playing into stereotypes it's more playing like what the city was like at the time Mm -hmm. but it's still a very uh loving view of the city and and of people who who come there to to make it big and i i think propping up that that fantasy um of of the city and and kind of the pedestal that that people put it on um just adds to the air of it and i i I like that it's an affectionate uh view of the city because it could very easily be cynical and and negative and and just you know played up for laughs Mm -hmm. um but yeah they don't it's a very muppet thing to do it's funny you bring up uh it's funny you bring up 30 rock because i also think that is like as as you know like yeah there's jokes about like people cutting liz lemon in line or spitting in her mouth and how horrible the dating scene is but like i know of so many people like my age or even younger that were like in high school when 30 rock came out that like wanted to be liz lemon or wanted to be Mm -hmm. jenna maroney and kind of like because even 30 rock has that kind of muppety like jeff richmond score just sounds like new york to me whenever i watch 30 rock Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um so frog frog kermit and jenny <laughs> frog and jenny are at the park and jenny's like oh come on kermit like yeah and like fucking god that scene where she's getting yeah Miss piggy's getting cat called by the construction <laughs> workers and then she just starts going ape shit and banging on this metal thing and that the, the you yeah, bending it and like they all start leaving the wide shot of her freaking out over jenny and kermit's shoulder like yes. hey, what's, what's going on over there like oh it's just new york <laughs> And that happens all the time. Literally last <laughs> night, um, we heard like five really loud bangs in succession. And Chelsea was like, was that a gun or a car? And I was like, yep. <laughs> New York. That's that's New York. Uh, that's what that's what how to with John. Uh, John Wilson is all about. <laughs> um, is there ever a God, if I was. If I was running John How to with John Wilson, I would just be like, could could you just have like a moment where you just see like a Muppet kind of just like walking down the street, but you don't you don't comment <laughs> on it? Yeah. <laughs> just a nondescript yeah. Muppet. <laughs> like a rat surfing on a pizza or something. Yeah. <laughs> um Piggy go but Piggy realizes that while she's been spying on Kermit, she's late. She's working as a, a spritzer girl at a department store. Uh, shades of the women and um <clears throat> she's working with uh joan rivers and man i i'm just not realizing that that's like her only scene and like i love their chemistry mm-hmm. it's great i i kind of wish yeah. they had kept coming back to her being like piggy's like you know best friend in new york like the one friend that you had that keeps you yeah. sane in your new first york year pal. in the city new york gal pal <clears throat> yeah yeah, I always thought she was in this a lot more than just one scene. I didn't realize that she was just a cameo. I mm-hmm. always like this that scene weighs so heavily on my memory of this movie that like I just assumed she was in the whole movie. But <laughs> I think I'd just forgotten about Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> and I I appreciate Frank Oz's vision in this scene because like if you take Miss Piggy out and replace her with like Jamie Lee Curtis or Leah Thompson or something. It is just a fun gal pal in New York comedy scene, but it's Miss Piggy. Yeah. Yes. Like when the guy's like, you're fired and they don't even care because they had such a gay old time, you know, having fun <laughs> and laughing. Um, yeah. It's like, it's a really sweet scene just like with Miss Piggy. And I, I'm sure you guys will talk about this a lot more and already have, but the, it's <clears throat> always such a fine line to me 
the the way that you get a a good performance between a human and a muppet character mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's it's usually played up as like the straight man the comedic straight man um to bounce off of but that's not always the you know like michael kane is is great in christmas carol and, re- and really puts on a performance but it it doesn't he doesn't play off of them as muppets he plays off of them as characters a lot in that movie and in in this i i like that it's I don't know it's there's this weird sense of like acceptance and knowing that they are muppets mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. also they they're just doing everyday activities like the whole like i'm a frog thing <laughs> i i love that that's how he introduced himself it's it's not as anything else yeah and um it's it's i don't know that i feel like this movie really explores kind of that fine line a little bit more as they were sort of developing it because you're right it really does become a staple um in the later films mm-hmm. and uh it's it's cool to see sort of its genesis here yeah uh yeah i think it's funny i mean as a millennial i kind of just know joan rivers is like you know being catty about what people were wearing to the to the oscars at Eve. <laughs> so like right. seeing her just be really like kind of like lovely and funny and down to earth with miss piggy i was like this is a really cool mm-hmm. scene uh we cut back to the diner where uh kermit's trying to get a job uh whereas a uh, god man i not i just like really related to the scene where rizzo's trying to get all of his cousins employed at the same diner <laughs> <laughs> including that one who's just like sick all the time yeah yeah <laughs> oh man uh, i could watch an hour and a half of just the rats working in a kitchen mm-hmm. yeah yeah some really great puppetry too with yeah. like the melting butter on the grill and, and stuff yeah, like that sk- skating on the grill yeah. with the butter yeah, so soaking in the coffee. I think if I were to pitch a like a Muppets like spin-off show, like mm-hmm. the like the Muppets Mayhem, right? That kind yeah. of thing. Um I would be like the all of the rat characters like working at a restaurant. Um with Absolutely. like, you know, like G- Gordon Ramsay is like the human or something. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think that's Absolutely. what I would want to do. <laughs> I love the rats i love that they I become a mainstay going forward i think they're mm-hmm. fantastic and is this Treasure the introduction Island. of yolanda i believe so i mean she wasn't a great muppet caper right right i love yolanda uh, yeah <laughs> <She's> a, <laughs> we're, we're yeah we're, rizzo's like hitting on her and he just like slap she just like knocks him out yeah, <laughs> yeah she's uh, um so while working in the kitchen uh, Kermit gets his first couple of letters from his friends. Uh, Scooter, as Scott said, is working at a at a movie theater in Cleveland, um, mm-hmm. at a, at a three D movie theater where uh, the the Swedish Chef and Lou Zealand are also living, mm-hmm. uh, implying that there are Muppets out there living their own independent lives, mm-hmm. free of <laughs> being part of like the Muppet. Which is just what a world, what a world to live in. I I think if I have if I have one thing that I wish this this movie did that wasn't that didn't they didn't do is i wish one of the muppets had ended up on sesame street like oh that would have been really funny and that, so oh, there's like Sco- a whole yeah scooter would have been yeah probably the keep, best keep but also scooter I, working backstage at sesame street like he's yes. not a performer <laughs> right would have been yeah. amazing yeah that would have been so fun but yeah i just would have loved the idea of like uh, uh, yeah, of one of them ending up on Sesame Street as like the place that they end up going. Um, hey, I got leave. a job this public access show that films in Manhattan. <laughs> yes. It's just like a teamster on set. Yeah. I'd love yeah. that. Great show today, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you. 
Uh, we also get um my favorite line of the movie oh please Ozzy, I, I think i know what you're they say. do this montage of like everybody riding yeah riding to kermit which i think is really sweet but Fozzie starts this with dear kermit waka 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 but seriously, but seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I, to me that is up there with like big gulps huh well see you later it's like a perfect line absolutely so and, and it's like Kermit reading it, so it's like, "Dear Kermit, waka waka waka." <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> oh man, Fozzie's Fozzie is like I think we'll, we'll we'll talk about it in our between us so. But he might be like the MVP of the Muppets, like round for round, laugh for laugh. He's just <laughs> perfect. And like, yeah, the scene of just all the bears hibernating and then just the camera <laughs> slow pans and he's just sitting there and he's like, how do they do it? <laughs> I've been trying to and, sleep for two days. And uh, see, that raised a lot of questions for me about Fozzie is, so we get um, a, 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 a girl bear Muppet waking up and being like, oh, I can't sleep either. Why don't we cuddle? And then like they cuddle, he's like, starts spooning Fozzie and he's like, Kermit. like obviously very uncomfortable and suddenly all these questions about Fozzie's sexuality kind of like popped up in my head that mm. were really fascinating is like when Muppets are sexually coded because like you know we, we got a scene where uh, 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 Gonzo gives Camilla mouth to mouth and he has that joke about like uh, Piggy's like, oh, is Camilla okay? And he's like, yeah, but I think we're engaged. And then his eyes kind of go big, like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like Floyd and 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 Janice, as we've talked about. And so I don't know. The idea of like Fozzie kind of quietly being asexual was just mm-hmm. very interesting to me. I don't think. Oh well, you know, he dates Ricky Lindholm and the Muppets, right, Scott? Yes, <laughs> indeed. I was about to bring that up. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think so. I also think it's interesting that Fozzie carries around a teddy bear this entire movie. Oh, I love it. It's so <laughs> yeah. sweet. Yeah. <and> perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't I- have his, like, I don't think he's playing a comedian in this movie. Wow. I think you're right. They, yeah, they really don't talk about it. No. The Waka Waka is the only reference to it. Um. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are working at like a German, like house band restaurant, like a <clears throat> mm-hmm. an Oktoberfest, like Oktoberfest kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Uh, and they all kind of. So this is the other thing, Benny, that like I kind of reminded me of. Like again, like, I've never lived in New York, but like he gets the idea. The friend group scatters after college, and they all find themselves in different cities and different just kind of landing where they can. And they, they're trying to make Kermit feel better. So they're like, it's going great. Like, I love it. Everything's working out really well. And Kermit still in Manhattan, busting his ass at like a greasy spoon diner is like, wow, all of my friends who left the city seem to be doing really well, but I'm like just struggling to get by wow did i make a mistake like should mm-hmm. i have left too and i was like oh wow this is like real real shit it really is yeah it's it's something i think about a lot and we talk about a lot because you know we <clears throat> having moved from indiana specifically uh a, a lot changed in moving to new york and one of the biggest things is is culturally 
you know, I, I left a lot of people in Indiana when I left, but I, I, I crossed this threshold where like, I can't really see myself living in a place like that again, just mm-hmm. because like, I've gotten so used to there not being Trump flags or like hanging effigies of Obama or something like that mm-hmm, in New York. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a, a completely different world. And, um, that I, I think that's less about moving to a big city and more just about being young and moving away in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that it tapped on that just because there's always that, that question in your mind, you know, like, I mean, I, it, even like talking to you guys, like we're always talking about like, you know, should, like, should we move to LA? Should we move to another big city? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you get that you're, you're so plugged in to everybody that you grew up with when you, when you do finally scatter like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just another example in this movie of that sort of tenderness, um, mm-hmm. that, that genuineness in the middle. And I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, yeah, it doesn't always work for me, as I said, kind of the top of the episode. But like, I really admire the different kind of emotions and beats that Frank Oz is trying to hit with this Mm -hmm. particular Muppet movie Mm -hmm. of like telling a more earnest story, kind of hitting these spots of tenderness that the first two weren't really interested in in hitting. Mm hmm. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the Muppet movie is like one of the most big hearted movies ever made, but like it still yes. kind of has this like goofy ramshackle energy to it. Yeah. Um, so Kermit has the idea of starting a, a whisper campaign where he dons his. So we skipped over the part where he uh, he dresses as like a, a big time 70s movie producer <laughs> with the perm and the ascot. Right. He he is doing Bob. That's Bob. That's he's doing Robert Evans. So yeah. Dustin Hoffman w- was too much of a coward, but Kermit Take the Frog that. fucking did it. <laughs> a real man. Yeah. Um, and he is talking to John Landis, which uh, in, in the John Landis That's cameo, right. which blew my fucking mind because I'm like, he had already killed three people by the time yeah. he was filming this. It had already happened. And now he's in a fucking Muppet movie. And everyone's like, oh, it's John Landis. Yeah. I was like, he's a murderer. <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, I was shocked by his cameo in this when I lo- I was like, did that happen like at the same time? Like, were they? No. A, I like, mean, if they, two years earlier. Yeah. If they shot it in 83, I'm pretty sure to- the Twilight Zone incident happened in 82. Yes. Yeah. It came out. Like it that? came out. Yeah, because it came. The movie came out in '83, the Twilight Zone okay. movie. So they shot yeah, it. So in it really was like a year later. Yeah, Jesus. crazy. Yeah, just crazy. it took a while. It took a while for him to kind of like get his sort of social comeuppance. I guess, like in terms yeah. of, I know like Orson Welles was like. There's a famous like Playboy interview where he was like, someone was like, "Oh, I'm interviewing John Landis tomorrow," and Orson Welles is like, "Kill him." <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Burn it to the ground, Orson Welles. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Kermit dons his second disguise in the movie where he gets to play like a, he, he goes to another kind of, you know, Noel Brooksian New Yorker uh, setting. You know, he goes to, to lunch at Sardi's in mm-hmm. a suit and the little pencil thin mustache, and he's hiding the rats in his coat. And they replace Liza Minnelli's picture with his at Sardi's. And the rats are under the table and they're being like, oh, that's a big time. He's producing Manhattan Melodies. And then uh, Liza Minnelli comes in and she's like, what the fuck? What'd I do? 
Are you mad? A frog, Vincent. A frog, Vincent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They even framed her like right over his picture where her picture was. Yeah, they replaced it. I thought that was a really, really good side gag. And kind of like, yeah, kind of like you said, Benny, walking that line of like the like a frog, Vincent. Really. Not a, not a puppet, not anything like yeah, that, but a yeah. frog specifically. <laughs> well, it kind of goes back to that line, Scott, and that there was like on the the pre- the preface of the first Muppet movie script of like in the in this world, they are not puppets. They are Miss Piggy is a is a pig, Kermit is a frog, mm-hmm. Fozzie is a bear. Right. They they are not. Gonzo's but it is a not whatever. Remar- Gonzo's a whatever, <laughs> but it's not remarked upon that they can talk and wear clothes yeah. and to varying degrees. Yeah. Uh be interesting to see i think i don't think a, i don't think a muppet movie ever doesn't play by those rules no like, i don't think so i mean i guess i i love to see if there's any reference to them being animals in muppet christmas carol because i i i think they're they're like playing human characters right in that. i I, um, I yeah i don't think i don't think kermit is a frog i think he is bob cratchit well, it's interesting because I know there's, you know, speaking of perfect movie lines, Benny, uh, there's a line that I will never forget until my, my deathbed where um, in Muppet Treasure Island, Jim Hawkins is in the captain's cabin and there's like a photograph, framed photograph of Miss Piggy. And he's like, who's the lady pig, sir? And he goes, oh, never mind that, Jim. Look. And that's what I'm saying. That fine line is so yeah. fun to play with. You know, it's not the point of it. They they usually don't make a big deal out of it, but there's so many little bits that they can get from just like skirting right up to that line without going over it. Yeah. That it kind of never gets old because they don't milk it a lot. It's mm-hmm. usually only, you know, a couple right. times a movie or something. Yeah. And it's it's almost like a like a staple at this point. Like you're waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, it's interesting yeah because like you know we'll get to the we'll get to the jason siegel movies but it's like in that world they are like the muppets and like mm-hmm. the muppet show happened mm-hmm. whereas in these kind of in this era they are always just in a reality where muppets exist but they are not kermit and miss piggy and gonzo it's interesting well, yeah gonna can, can be an interesting ride scott <laughs> yes it is <laughs> i mean it, it already is uh, so the whisper campaign was about to work, but then they all see that there's like rats under their table and they freak out. <laughs> yeah. The rats start getting hungry. And so they just start poking around on people's dishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, God, there's a part where earlier where Phil like picks up Rizzo and Rizzo's like resting on his hand, Pete and Pete. And it's just yeah. so satisfying of just something about the rat puppets. They're just so interestingly proportioned. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's great. So uh, amazing scene. They go to the park. Uh, just the, <laughs> the scenes of Jenny and Kermit just like, you know, like consoling each other. And he's like, hug, and then like, oh, no. And then Miss Piggy's like in the back just stewing with rage. <laughs> <laughs> and then gets her hand stuck in bubble gum. Oh, bubble no. Gum. <laughs> the worst. Oh, God. No, not jogging. and then uh incredible incredible set piece scott alluded to it already but someone steals miss piggy's purse and miss piggy's like no 
that is the straw that broke the camp. Bro, I picked the wrong fucking purse to steal, man. Uh, <laughs> so she steals Gregory Hines's roller skates, and we get Miss Piggy rage rollerblading through Central Park, and so it good. is horrifying. <laughs> it, is, it is watching him he it's like the terminator is behind yeah. him like he yes. he turns around he's like oh jesus christ and oh, he just no. takes off <laughs> <laughs> because there's just there's just a pig plowing toward him on roller skates <laughs> i love the game is piggy just carrying this movie of like after she like catches the guy and like her purse goes everywhere it's like yeah i'll teach you buster and then like the other women are helping miss piggy like oh oh thank you oh you're so sweet thank you and then kermit uh uh, she they they confront each other about mm -hmm. her being back in the city and not telling him and um and then she's like really upset about jenny uh and and the hugs what are they what are they called huggies huggies yeah, I gave her huggies. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I Gregory just, Hines I like, "Oh, this is where huggies Hines. will get you." Yeah, I just love Gregory Hines walking up and just being like, "Can I get my roller skates?" You know what? Keep it. I just like running around in tiny shorts, and then just big <laughs> yeah. smile on his face and runs off. Uh, Gregory Hines might be the 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 MVP cameo of the movie for me. Yeah, because um, he's just the way he like is like counseling Piggy, and he's like, "Whoa, you hug Jenny!" Like <laughs> yeah. again, like. Very human. And, like, the fight that Kermit and Piggy have is very human of, like, mm-hmm. well, I, I care about you. And, like, well, then you should say it. And, like, I just said it. I just said that I cared about you. And, like, it's played so straight. And it's it's amazing. Yeah. And then they take their little carriage ride. And, and, and Miss Piggy's like, oh, what if, what if we knew each other when we were babies? Wouldn't that be we neat? Little, <laughs> little Kermy. Little Piggy. And... Yeah, I just yeah. great, great song. I just I yeah. really loved the yeah the Muppet Baby song. It's a banger. Yeah, yeah, the Muppet Baby song is great. Uh, the design of all the Muppet Babies is extremely accurate to uh, the cartoon. Like they just lifted all oh, yeah. these designs mm-hmm. and put it straight into the cartoon um, with the addition of uh, of of Animal, um, who is not in this sequence, Baby mm-hmm. Animal. Um, and of course, uh, uh, Scooter's uh, sister Skeeter, may she rest in peace. Uh, right. <laughs> presumably. I don't know. She doesn't exist in anything except Muppet Babies. Um, that would be another oh pitch. God. That would be another pitch for a Muppet movie I would have is like Scooter remembering Skeeter and like Scooter being the main character of a Muppet movie where he's trying to find his long lost yeah. twin sister. <laughs> uh, Scooter goes to Rolf's like bachelor pad and Rolf is sitting in his den in the dark. Like, Rolf, what's wrong, buddy? Remember. <laughs> oh no. Oh, Skeeter. <laughs> right before Where she is died. She? Where's my sister? We mind melded right before she died back in 85. <laughs> 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 uh, uh benny were you were you a muppet baby muppet babies fan back in the day yes uh it was it's very specific it was on right so when i was a kid kindergarten was half day mm. and mm. i remember getting home and it was on it's probably like nickelodeon or something like yeah. that like right when i got home 
and then Bob Ross was on right after. So every single day I would watch Muppet Babies and then Bob Ross. Wow. And I I don't remember a lot about Muppet Babies, except for one episode for some reason has never left my mind, where like they're Un unshown human caretaker nanny teaches yeah, yeah th- teaches them how to how to make like cartoons like uh-huh. gets a camera out and shows them like how stop motion works yeah and and that i was i was that was lighting up for me when scott you were talking about how they wanted this to be all about creativity and um you know really trying to show that for kids um that's i've i've never forgotten that and it's been you know, almost 30 years since I've seen that. Um, the theme song obviously lives in my head forever. It is like, mm-hmm. um, like the inside out, uh, minty fresh gum song. Mm-hmm. That is the Muppet babies theme for yeah. me. It just comes up at the worst times. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember really liking it as a kid. And, and actually I've, I've probably seen more of that than I have, uh, of, of the main movies. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the Muppet was- babies. I mean, that, that cartoon was so, popular i mean this is probably the you know assuming our future guests don't bring it up this will probably be the last time that we talk about muppet babies because it's very pertinent to this Mm, particular episode (laughs) um but the muppet babies show was so popular that like teenage mutant ninja turtles it spawned a ton of ripoffs um like flintstones kids and a pump Mm -hmm. named scooby-doo and it was all just like oh what if there were adult characters but we we did a cartoon where they were babies um and uh yeah it was like there was like a ton of those and none of them were particularly good and had (laughs) and and none of them had anything to say about like growing up or being a kid like muppet babies did um it was very important to jim that it was like there was there's a me- it's a show with a message. It's just like that message is unlike any other sort of educational children's program, which is like about like learning to count and spell and you know learning about colors and things like that. This was like yeah no we want to turn your your kids into like kooky little bohemian artists, <laughs> creative artists, <laughs> and uh, yeah it was a really special show. It really was. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, Benny, you just explained, I think, why you have such a mellow disposition. You were like, go every day. You were just watch. You would like marathon Bob Ross and Muppet Babies yeah. every day. <laughs> That'll do uh, it. Very formative. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he gets more. Uh, Kermit gets more letters from his friends. Gonzo is in Michigan. Uh, one of my favorite jokes in this movie, this watch, was uh, the chickens. He does a, jo- as a, a a new act where the chickens are singing. Uh, doing Tony Bennett singing the uh, uh, the Lone Ranger theme song. I forgot what it's called in real life. Uh, uh, William Tell. William Tell we'll Overture. Yes. Overture, yeah. William Thank Tell Overture. And uh, there's like a guy in a chicken suit piling the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and then they uh, Gonzo gets his like little uh, uh, streamer Fez thing in his eyes. And so the boat just takes off. They just goes directly into the water while the chickens are singing. And then you cut to the most like Michigan looking dude. He goes, that don't sound anything like Tony Bennett. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Terrific. And then God, I, I had again, not thought about this sequence in like 20 years, but then suddenly I remembered everything about it. Uh, Rolf is working at a dog kennel. Mm -hmm. And, this guy comes in that like babies his dog, and snookums, snookums. <laughs> he's like, 
write it down. Like, yes, sir. Uh, quiche at eight, whatever that is. And <laughs> I think Rolf was always my favorite Muppet and still is like one of my favorite Muppets because more than any other Muppet, Rolf has the ability to go really, really small and subtle. Mm -hmm. hmm. And just when he's like, sit and Rolf like sits, stay. And he's kind of like, <laughs> just, I don't know, just something about that just, just itches my brain in a way I can't verbalize. Yeah. And he's just so mellow. Yeah, one of my biggest one of my biggest laughs in this movie was uh, when he was like he tells him to like write that down, and he was like, "Okay, uh, okay. dog gets key should eat, whatever that is." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Photographic memory. <laughs> dog gets key should eat. <laughs> He's just a guy behind a desk with a gig, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like Rolf could be in the newsroom, and I wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah. <laughs> I also I also just love like as soon as the guy leaves, all of the other dogs in the kennel just start fucking trolling. <laughs> hey, <laughs> come. Come. <laughs> hey, come on, guys. <laughs> it's not his fault. <laughs> uh I noticed there were two dogs side by side in the kennel whose names were Jim and Frank. Oh yeah. I don't know that's if right. they're both. I don't know if they're both voiced by the Frank one. Didn't uh, sound like Frank Oz, but I was like, oh, I wonder if that's like a little fun. History. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting. I like. I like how like Rolf's role. It's kind of a, not unlike Fozzie. So Fozzie is hibernating with bears, and the bears are Muppets, but they're not quite Fozzie. They are more regular versions of bears we get yeah. like a proto bobo yeah i was gonna my... say it, they're, they're yeah. very proto like i know everybody makes a big to do over the uh design transformation that miss piggy goes over from like episode one of the muppets to like you know the muppets from 2011 um sure. yeah where you're just like oh wow like she that's a complete transformation of design of this character um but bobo's transformation is pretty stark as well yeah um, yeah hmm. Yeah. Um, I love Bobo. I'm going to be fighting for my life in a few weeks, listeners, defending Muppets in space. And uh, <laughs> a, a lot of it has to do with Bobo. Um, I I don't uh, if I have seen Muppets in space, it was like one time on video uh, in like, you know, 2000 or 99. Um, so I, I don't have an opinion of Muppets in space. So I'm curious. Okay. I know Cass isn't a fan. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know a lot of people aren't a fan. Um, um I, I think my, my theory with Miss Piggy is I think she is sort of updated. I think you can tell a lot about – I kind of am always reminded of where we're at in pop culture in terms of beauty with mm -hmm. how Miss Piggy looks. Like mm -hmm. her hair in this is very 80s, yeah. kind of like the, the fuzzy kind of Barbra Streisand mm -hmm. curls. Yeah. Perm. In the 70s, it was very like Farrah Fawcett coded. Mm -hmm. Um and I think by the time we get to like the Jason Siegel era, it's almost, she almost has kind of like a Reese Witherspoon cut. Oh yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, so interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I big big laughs with checking in on the Muppets. Um, we uh, frog. What do you call like a frog? Uh, it's like it's like how I call actors by their last names. Um, so Kermit goes to back to. Uh, the theater producer's office where we meet Ronnie, the upstart uh, kind of kid who's like, oh, daddy said I could produce one show on myself by myself like a big boy. Uh, 
I like the dad. The dad's got jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, if you're if you're dating, what is he? If you're dating the frog, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he, he gets, uh, but he's like, Hey, I, I never said you couldn't produce it. I just said, it's, it's not going to do anything. It's going to, going to flop. And it's not going to do it. <laughs> um, so Kermit uh, finally gets the green light and again, a very, like, I think every creative person dreams of having a moment like this, where like the, the money person hands you your ticket and then goes, okay, you get to try and make your thing. And he's like, Oh wow. I'm gonna and then he gets hit by a fucking cab. And it's yeah. screen light. Yep. God, the shot of Kermit laying lifeless on the street. <laughs> it's kind of devastating. It's, <laughs> it's devastating. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there's this old video that I love and it came out right after this is like 2009 or something mm-hmm. um, where some guys were watching Toy Story 3 with their mom. But they edited it so that at the scene where they're all like plunging downward into oh, the incinerator, no. they just rolled the credits. <laughs> And that was it. And ever since we watched that video, we have this running joke of just saying credits at like the worst possible uh, time for a yeah, movie yeah. to end. And I said it here because I I saw that shot and it was kind of horrifying. Like, yeah. especially if I were like a little, little kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kermit just lying. The kind of other New Yorkers kind of like. <laughs> like twisted. Uh, yeah. Directed by Frank Oz. Um. <laughs> But uh, luckily, he has a doctor in the form of Linda Lavin. Yeah, um, Tony winner Linda Lavin. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and most notable for me as the Nana from the OC, Sandy Cohen's oh, mother. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, Was but, that going to be Michael Jackson? I don't know. Maybe I don't know what roles really all of them were going to play, but um, that's possible. I kind of like how because of I guess the Exodus of movie stars, we kind of get a lot more like sort of more New Yorkery Broadway centered mm-hmm. cameos. And I think it fits. Yeah. Elliot Gould. Elliot was yeah. it? Oh my God. That's yeah. a, that's a terrific joke is <laughs> when he runs out of the diner. It's like, all right, I got to get a license so I can murder him. And Elliot Gould's like, no, no, couldn't. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is he our second two timer in the cameo club? Or our first yeah. two timer in the cameo club? Yeah, I think he's definitely yeah, he's the first one. I think he's also hosted the Muppet Show before. So some celebrities, Ben, and we've been talking about this, are just very Muppet coded. Like we talked about Anne Hathaway, um, Lady Gaga, I think is very I mean she wore them once, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it kind of plays into that that line again of like how well can you bounce off of their humor. It's like sometimes when you see um see actors on Sesame Street or something like that. Yeah. And just like the the way they can play off of the puppets um is it's it's very specific. It mm-hmm. requires something very specific. Uh James Gandolfini, great great Muppet actor. Hmm. Um so <laughs> yeah, RIP. The uh the Muppets all get letters about uh, how you know if Kermit got funding for the show and they can go back to New York and it's really heartwarming, um, and like you kind of get the sense that they're coming with their new friends that they met, like uh, Fozzie's bear friends, Rolf's dog friends, uh, Doctor Lou uh, 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 Zealand and the Swedish chef in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and uh, it's cool. It's fun, kind of getting the gang back together. I think it's 
definitely something I relate to as an adult, as an actor of like, you go through these periods where you're like not doing your, your thing for months or even years. And then you get like a magic letter in the mail from one of your friends you haven't talked to. And it's like, Oh, we're, 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 we're making a thing. <laughs> Getting the game back. Together. Yeah. Um, I will say going back to the scene where, uh, Kermit is, um, uh, getting looked over by the, the doctor. Um, yeah, and he starts, it. he starts talking in that like weird way. Like, mm, I don't know. Um, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when she starts like bending his hands all the way back and like <laughs> twisting, twisting his <laughs> legs around him, I was, I, I think I remember as a kid being like, oh, I should be scared of the doctor. This looks horrible. Um, <laughs> I just assuming that this was like what going to the doctor is like. Uh, and I was uh, I terrified. Have, I love, there's something so delightful about how, how delayed his little leg kicking reactions are. <laughs> it's like five yeah. seconds. And then one and goes, the other one goes. <laughs> It seems to be delayed and, and confused. Yeah. <laughs> and she like checks his mouth and like presses it in, which I I love that visual. But then after that, she goes, no doubt about it. You have amnesia. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, I have never been more envious of an actor than Linda Larkin getting to like, just, just touch Kermit so much and get to like yeah. play with him so much. Yeah. It looks so fun. Um, uh, she, so also, Kermit... she also says that she she believes that he's uh, an Italian man who's been missing. <laughs> I don't, I don't, he was I like, don't feel Italian. Well, fuck me then. Italian. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to help. <laughs> She's like, well, you just got to go start your life over. Yeah. And somewhere Matthew Weiner was watching this and went, yes, you <laughs> should be an ad man. That's um, where you start your life over. Yeah, Ooh. I love the office ad frogs. They're terrific. <laughs> Yeah. What is it? Gil, Bill, and Jill. Yeah. Because yeah. And I Bill. love that Kermit comes up with his name first, and they just happen to all have <laughs> na- rhyming names. That's amazing. And again, like I love the kind of the world of this movie where there are other Muppets out there just leading regular mm-hmm. lives that aren't related to show business. And yeah. <clears throat> I do worry about those guys, though. I mean, I guess they get to be in the show, so I'm sure they'll be okay. But like, I do worry about them without Kermit because, like, man, they were uh, they were flopping pretty hard as ad execs. (laughs) (laughs) See, if I were if I were if I had the keys to the Muppet Kingdom, I would have such a ball, including little bits of continuity, like just cutting to an ad office where just like you see Jill kind of like moving, walking in the background. Uh Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Oh man. Um so yeah, so they uh Kermit starts a new life as an ad an ad frog. Kind of yeah, like you said Benny, like Mad Men is about a guy as- assuming a new identity, starting a new life as an admin on Madison Avenue, and that's exactly what Kermit's doing. <laughs> yeah. Um any cast member on Mad Men would have aced a Muppet cameo. Mm. I agree. Mad Men always was that show that, like, obviously it was a it was a drama, but it, its sense of humor really relied on the actors. Yeah. And you know, you look at like Stephen Sommer or like John Slattery or something yeah. like that. Like, I would, all, all those guys would be be great. I think I John would, Slattery would be like primo Muppet actor. Oh like, my okay. god! Top I would of the charts. Larceny. <laughs> yeah. To see a scene where Kermit is like working at. I can't think of the name right now, but like just seeing like Matt and like, like inter- Kermit interacting with Joan and Roger Sterling. <laughs> yes. Like, 
So, Frog, how was your weekend? You know, like lighting a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Kermit do the carousel monologue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Actually, John Slattery was just in um, What We Do in the Shadows yes. a few weeks ago. And which he was is so, kind of a, a was, similar dynamic. Yeah, I was yeah. going to mention that, that he was, he like, that was like, I was like, oh, man, he would be great with the Muppets. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just based on his interactions with those wacky <laughs> vampires. Sterling Cooper. I just remembered it. Sterling Cooper, Draper Price. Yeah. <laughs> Still got it, baby. <laughs> uh, they, they're looking for Kermit while simultaneously rehearsing for the show, which, yeah, like you said, Benny is just so whimsical and crazy that they're like, well, we're only a week away and our, our, our lead is missing, but like, we're still going to go on. Yeah. For reference, um, Chelsea is casting an unnamed show right now in August that starts in February. Mm. So that's uh, wow. and and that's like an off Broadway thing. It's not even uh, a, a huge production, right? So it's some of these things take forever. Crazy. Yeah. So uh, one day, I get just so peaceful. Just I love the vibes. The the, the frogs are just kind of walking, and they're like, mm, "Why don't we go somewhere new for lunch today?" Oh, okay. And <laughs> they go to the diner, and then Kermit starts absentmindedly tapping the notes two together again on a spoon with cups, mm-hmm. and on the booth next to the Muppets, and they find Kermit. And uh, they're like, hey, we found him. But he's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you have me mistaken for someone else. Yeah. Uh-uh. And they drag him to the to the show. Yeah. And then that's when, like, Miss Piggy is just like, we're in love. And he was like, me in love with a pig? And then just, just, just <laughs> absolutely wrecks her. Decks um, him. Yep. I, I mean, roasts her. Just <laughs> the most mean spirited <laughs> ever been. <laughs> What does he say? Like, oh, the sounds of love. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Just absolutely brutal. <laughs> and yeah, Piggy high yaws him across the, the room. And that's when he's like, Piggy, which, you know, uh, the implications, not great. <laughs> Domestic violence saving sure. the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once again. Um, and then, uh, Kermit's like, oh my God, you know, we're doing it. We're doing the show. And then all of the other Muppets that his friends have met across the, not country, but you know, uh, the Midwest, uh, are like, Hey, can we watch the show from the back? And Kermit's like, that's what we've been missing. Extras. An ensemble. Yeah. Cause the whole, the whole movie, there's been this runner of Kermit being like, ah, oh, there's something missing from Manhattan melodies. The show's missing something. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how how, how, dig, how deep we can dig into it, but the idea... I think the Muppets have always had this, like, everybody get in here, mm-hmm. inclusive spirit that I think... You know, we talked about this in our first episode, Scott, is sort of uh, spoke to almost like a dog whistle to, like, a generation of misfit kids that mm-hmm. didn't feel at home in their hometowns or sometimes even with their families getting the chance to, like, be part of this crazy group this crazy ensemble you know this found family of of misfits yeah yeah that that band of misfits idea especially where there's that that repeated line of like frogs and dogs and bears and chickens and whatevers yeah and uh you know that's kind of that gooey center like it's it's low-hanging of course it's the muppets but it's i i like that it's always been about them being this kind of hodgepodge of kind of group and um you know, especially having like the the Sesame Street gang there and stuff like that. I, I just I love that scene of of the chapel and oh, can't yeah. imagine how many puppeteers they had going at once at that time. But yeah. um, 
I, I, that actually for me, that visual of all of them being in the same room was probably like the most emotionally impactful for me, just because like you realize that even by this point, they there is this established group and lore and and uh, you know dynamics across everybody, and yeah, I love that it gets to to play off at yeah. the end. Two things that just came to mind is you know I don't know if this is a metaphor, but just the idea of they all go back to be with their own kind. Like Rolf finds a place where he's around other dogs and Fozzie finds a place where he's around other bears and Kermit finds a place where he's around other pigs or I mean, other, other frogs, but then, and they, they make it work to a certain degree, but then they all come back to be with their mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, mismatched family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's something kind of quietly profound about that. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, there's something very human about, you know, they say the only thing that brings people together are Muppets or the only thing that bring people together are weddings and funerals. And there's this big group of Muppets at Piggy and Kermit. And I had the unironically had the thought like, oh, this is probably the last time they were all together like this until Jim's funeral. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, yeah. my God. Because that's another image that's in my head of like, you know, them all singing at Jim Henson's funeral together. Yeah. And it's like this huge emotional impact of like, oh, look at all the people and. Um, Scott, this kind of reminded me of your wedding. Oh, thanks. Just a, I mean, it, just it, a, just it, a bunch of misfits and felt... suits, you yeah. know, like, right? Oh, they're, it, they're, they're getting married. It had to have felt like a reunion for everybody on set, having all of them there in, in one place at one time. And, yeah. you know, that, that was kind of how, how those productions worked at that time. It was very interconnected, but, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 meta story around it is also very sweet and i think that's part of why it has some weight for me as well as mm, yeah. just knowing that like you know they that same crew was not together much longer after that yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and not for nothing uh, but somebody's getting married is a banger um absolutely so yes it is it's married. a great song yeah yeah great song so are they um, here yet? And, Are they here yet? Did I miss it? Am I late? I was like, wow, I did not realize I still remembered all of this. <laughs> really, really fun, uh, like, playing with, like, musical set uh, construction as well yeah, during the sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought all of that was really well done. Uh, yeah. It's a really it's it's great interesting. sequence. Great Muppet Caper owed so much to, and, 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 and was such a love letter to the Busby Berkeley, like Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers screen musicals. Mm, And this is in so many ways, like a love letter to Broadway and the stage musical. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, ending with a wedding is just the classic. I mean, like even going back to Shakespeare, it's like the definition of a tragedy is they die. And the definition of a comedy is they get married. (laughs) And that, that, that DNA has been in Broadway for so long um, that it really did feel, it was very, like I said before, it was very affectionate. It was, it was a love letter to those types of musicals and that it didn't, you know, use all of its tropes. Um, it still was, was very lovingly trying to portray it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't think I know a creative person, whether they have a job quote a you know a job strictly in the entertainment industry as it is but i don't think i know a creative person or an artist that doesn't have some like muppet like in their childhood or have some part where like the muppets kind of touched their heart in a way you know yeah or spoke to them philosophically yeah that's very true yeah hmm 
they really took Manhattan. Boy, did they. They played that city <laughs> like a harp from hell. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and uh, I also just love that they're like, and we're done. Get, get out of here. Fuck out. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's over. It's not getting any yeah. better than this. <laughs> it's a very, like I think Benny said at the beginning, it is a very sappy, gooey, earnest ending that I don't think I really appreciated as a kid. But now as an adult, in a weird way, I'm kind of like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes I think especially something that we hold on a pedestal nostalgically um, doesn't always age as well. It can come off very differently as an adult as when we were kids. And there, there's been a lot of movies that like I wished I hadn't rewatched as an adult because mm. it kind of changed how I viewed it. Mm. And this one, I feel like, you know, not, not that I necessarily liked it more or less than as a kid, but I feel like I got to watch it with new eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's part of why it really landed for me. I think the other side is that it, it I was worried it was, wasn't going to age well, uh, given the time period and, and New York and everything like that. I was, I was worried that there were going to be like some off color jokes or something. And, oh. Um, at, that didn't really happen and i that that makes me happy because that means that like i i ended up buying this on itunes to watch it for this and now i can just like throw this in the rotation yeah um, of, of movies that like i don't mind putting on at any time and i don't have to you know there's no cognitive dissonance i can just like put on something sweet and yeah you know no there's going to be that that happy wedding at the end yeah um yeah uh yeah you just reminded me this is weirdly not on disney plus no, I was surprised at that because they they've got a lot of them, but not all of them. It's it's because the, it's like each one is distributed by someone different, and so <laughs> it's a different deal to like get it back from mm-hmm. them. Um, and this one being TriStar, I think, is uh, complicated. Yeah, because TriStar doesn't exist anymore. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Robert Evans. R.I.P. TriStar Pictures. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Skeeter. R.I.P. Skeeter. <laughs> She's out there somewhere. And we're, we're going to find her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I think you just I think you just named the, the title of the first song in that ske- in that Skeeter, the search for Skeeter movie. Skeeter. <laughs> <laughs> I know I had a sister, boss. I just can't. <laughs> she was man. athletic, I think. Kind of I think she likes like sports. A, like sports, whereas I was kind of more of like a indoor kid. <laughs> are my are my eyes my glasses? <laughs> uh, Benny, any closing thoughts on the Muppets take Manhattan and and the Muppets as a whole? Um, I don't. Know. I I'm really glad I watched this one. Mm. Um, when I, when I heard you guys were doing the Muppets, I I kind of went through my head of like which ones I would want to sit down and watch again, and uh this actually wasn't on my list not not because like i don't remember it well or something but just it just wasn't one that stuck out as much as the others so Mm -hmm. for me this was really fun to truly rediscover this movie and um this i i think this is unlocking a little muppet phase for me um i i feel like this scratched an itch that i uh or started an itch that i need to scratch Uh um and I, I think 
especially now a days um i i need more purely wholesome things to watch mm. things that you know that whether i know what's going to happen or not i i just need to be able to sit down for 90 minutes and smile mm -hmm. and i forgot how effective the muppets really are at that and and discovering how much that's not entirely based on nostalgia how much that really is them trying to tell a sweet story and you know try to lovingly portray this band of misfits um i don't know i feel like i, I gained a little you know a, another little entry in that list of of art that i can lean on yeah. um I, I i think it's so interesting you guys are doing the muppets compared to to other franchises just because i i think all of our uh introductions to the muppets and the way we all grew up with the muppets is so different than mm -hmm. other movies mm -hmm. you know we, we we consume muppets media so differently than we consume something like marvel or star wars mm -hmm. or you know any of those other things that are that are kind of like cultural uh pillars for a lot of us yeah yeah so, i mean uh, like all of the movies like every single one is standalone. Yeah. Like no, none, no continuity, no, no, no homework. Like the to only be done. bit of continuity that I can even think of is the introduction of Walter from Mupp from the Muppets being in Muppets uh, most wanted. Most wanted. Yep. Yeah. That's the only thing, but that's, you would just take for granted that like, Oh yeah, he's just like a Muppet or like, whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. But that's a, the a really boring Muppet. It's the only all right. I I won't I won't I won't okay, take this uh, Walter hate. Um, uh, not on I this mean, show. All, all this, all of this, just makes me wish that they were using the Muppets IP more. Yeah. Um, at the at the top of the show, you guys asked me like, what would I yeah redo? Oh with right, Muppets? yeah, yeah. And like one that I always come back to. Maybe this is a common one, but I really wish they would do a muppet star wars just do a new hope and everybody is a muppet except chewbacca is a human <laughs> and i i think that what you what they could do with that is they don't have to like do the same story but they can play in that world they can have access to it and it lets them i want to see another like big budget muppet movie yeah i, I want to see them go all out and I, I i i like the show that they brought back for disney plus tonally it wasn't exactly what i was hoping for but i like that they are just using the ip but i feel like it's you know in a day and age where we're getting all these like live action remakes mm -hmm. of of classic disney movies i wish we had muppet remakes of all these movies i, I saw somebody online say how, how fun it would be to do beauty and the beast where the beast is a human and everybody yeah. else is a muppet and uh you know being able to to walk that that line of uh what you know the muppets being part of a society and everything i i i wish they would milk it more they they've milked every other franchise to you know d beyond what anybody can even enjoy and <laughs> the muppets feel, feels feels very untapped to me and maybe that's that's a good thing maybe part mm. of why the muppets sits so well with so many people is they there isn't a muppets movie every year it is a couple years in between and yeah it's it's kind of always been like that since since the late 70s um so so maybe maybe i shouldn't get what i wish for <laughs> but i just I, I just wish there was more muppets yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wish that I wish there was more Muppets, just because I I want to get used to this new Kermit voice because I I really don't like it. Um, but w I've only heard him in Muppets Haunted Mansion, and so and I I I couldn't stand it in that. But 
I feel like if there was more Muppet stuff, I would eventually it would eventually grow on me and I'd get used to it. And he'd probably be better at doing it as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, Scott, any closing thoughts on the Muppet Steak Manhattan? Uh, no. Um, but it's it's a uh, it's a good one. And uh, but the, the vibes are very different. But you can sense the um, the evolution and you can see how we go from here to a Muppet Christmas Carol in terms of like tone. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So and uh, decided to talk about that. Yes. Next week. Much, much like the minister at the end of this movie, we will be committing sacrilege next week <laughs> by uh, watching Muppet Christmas Carol in the late summer. Well, <laughs> they won't be hearing it then, though. You'll be they'll be hearing it the week of Thanksgiving, which is perfect. That's perfect. It's a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sorry. Just uh, yeah. Uh, Scott knows this. I'm a big I'm a big proponent of uh, Christmas movies at Christmas, yeah. summer movies at summer, yeah. Halloween movies at Halloween, and you don't yeah. you don't mix the colors. But when I'll does, do it. When does Christmas start? Because to me, Christmas is the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair for me. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm also okay. I'm also a big proponent. Not a day of, before. Yeah, like let Thanksgiving be Thanksgiving. You don't you don't yes. want to just skip over Thanksgiving and go right into Christmas. You know, live in yeah, the moment. Like. That that is when that episode airs is on Black Friday. So perfect, perfect. That's Pitch next perfect. week. Yeah. So it's it's perfect. <laughs> that's why we switched the Muppets miniseries and the Spider Man miniseries in our schedule. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I know. Was I love that. Yeah, because you're like, I am not watching Muppet Christmas Carol in the spring, Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some things are still sacred in today's <laughs> modern world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. But, uh, but, um, anyway. but that'll be fun. We got a fun yeah. guest planned, so yeah, I think it's gonna be. But 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 uh, Benny, thanks so much for being on with us. Always a delight to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Of course. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all next week with Muppet Christmas Carol. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Together again. Gee, it's good to be together again. I just can't imagine after you've ever been gone. It's not starting over. It's just going on. Together again.